If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Some B.C. families are trying to figure out what, if any, exposure they may have had to COVID-19. The concern comes after a letter was sent to parents of school children in the Fraser Health region and people on board a recent Air Canada flight to YVR are informed of possible contact with a presumed case of the disease. Grace Key has our top story. School districts across the Fraser Health region have been notified about the area's first case of COVID-19. A letter was sent out to all the districts saying contacts of this case may have attended school in the region and are currently isolated. Parents say they are taking the usual necessary precautions to protect their children. There's only so much we can do. I mean, we just got out of her ballet class and made sure that she used hand sanitizer to, you know, prevent it, but... We're doing everything we can to prevent it from happening. You know, just uh, avoid and uh, contact close proximity yeah, with yeah. other people. Yeah. And so it seems most people in B.C. have recovered. The letter came a day after a sixth case was announced in B.C. The woman in her 30s recently returned from Iran and her symptoms are relatively mild. We'll be uh, doing a detailed investigation of her travel uh, when her symptoms started and determine whether we need to investigate or notify people who are on the aircraft that she uh, returned in. Um, and more information around that will be in the coming days. We now know health authorities contacted Air Canada a couple of days later about the case. The woman was on a layover in Montreal and flew into Vancouver on February 14. Crew members and people sitting near the woman on the flight have been notified and advised to report any symptoms. We still believe the risk in Canada and here in BC for sure is low and we are encouraging people to continue to take those measures that prevent transmission of infection, particularly washing your hands regularly, covering your mouth when you cough and um, not touching your face. In the letter to school districts, Fraser Health states that the contacts in this case were not showing any signs of illness while attending school and remain well, and that there is no public health risk at schools in the region. Grace Key, Global News. As Grace mentioned, the woman who has COVID-19 flew between Montreal and Vancouver on Air Canada February 14th. But the information released is so vague, it has the potential to needlessly alarm hundreds of people. Neither Air Canada nor health officials will reveal the flight number, something they routinely do for measles cases. There are several flights each day between the two cities, and YVR won't reveal when the woman passed through the airport. Health officials say the crew and people who sat near her on the plane have been notified. But it appears others have not been, including security screeners, check-in agents and fellow passengers who went through the terminal with her. In fact, a spokesperson for Montreal's airport says they didn't know about the case until it was reported on the news. 
Ontario health officials confirmed today there is a new presumptive case of COVID-19 in Toronto. They say a woman arrived in Canada from China on Friday and went to a Toronto hospital with a cough. She tested positive for the virus and was sent home to self-isolate because her illness was mild. Meanwhile, health officials fear the incubation period for the disease could be much longer than first believed, after a man in China didn't show symptoms until 27 days later. A much more zen response to the virus at a local art gallery today, hosting a tea ceremony and tasting in hopes of promoting a positive attitude towards prevention and treatment of COVID-19. They invited people to share their stories and cultural experiences in hopes of stopping the spread of racism and fear that's been connected to the outbreak of the disease. We're trying to raise people's attention to the possible racism, like going along together with the outbreak of coronavirus. So we're having this event to help people sit down together with each other and understanding more about Chinese culture. There are concerns out there uh, with regard to the coronavirus uh, uh, epidemic and there's a lot of misinformation and you know there's fear and ignorance and fear leads to discrimination and, and, and you know not such pleasant things. A deadline is now looming for a blockade in eastern Canada to come down. On, on, in Ontario, Indigenous demonstrators remain on Mohawk territory, but sources tell Global News RCMP have given an ultimatum for protesters to leave by midnight. The rail blockade is grinding some businesses and travel to a halt. The protests are in support of Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs who are opposed to a $6.6 million natural gas pipeline project in northern B.C. RCMP have removed their remote detachment in that area at the request of the hereditary chiefs, who also want police patrols to stop and coastal gas link to pause construction. Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs returned to B.C. today after meeting with indigenous leaders in Ganawake, Mohawk Territory in Quebec. Meanwhile, impromptu so-called solidarity protests have popped up across the country. But as Kristen Robinson reports, some are starting to question the demonstrators' motives. I am here to understand both sides of the situation. A handful of protesters, some of them masked, face questions from the public as they set up a rail blockade at the CN tracks in East Vancouver. We have people in Alberta and across the country where the economy is being affected because of this. The demonstrators claiming to be in solidarity with Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs who oppose the coastal gas link pipeline and believe they have authority over the territory which has never been ceded and is not subject to a treaty. Langley's Noah Brown wanted to know more. So that's why I'm talking to Tanya, being Wet'suwet'en. I feel like that would be the best way of understanding where you guys are coming from, right? Because it is... In Saskatoon, protesters and pipeline supporters faced off on a CP rail line. I love pipelines. I love this country. I, I want it to be united. But this is, this is pushing us apart. All 20 elected First Nation councils along the route, including five elected Wet'suwet'en band councils, support the pipeline and have signed benefit agreements with Coastal Gas Link. It's um, very frustrating because, um, uh, you know, we've had um, the 20 First Nations um, communities on board um, pretty much from the start. You have 20 of the elected band council members approving this pipeline. They'll actually bring their people out of poverty. 
Like it's, it, they say they stand with the people, but it's, for me, it looks like selfish reasons, if you ask me. So this is called Schedule B. It's from the Supreme Court. As injunctions continue to be enforced, this hereditary leader and First Nations LNG Alliance board member, thankful for the support Canadians are showing Indigenous peoples around historical injustices. Now it's up to us as Indigenous communities to be able to um, come to the table in a peaceful way. For now, blockades continue, and as protesters leave, questions linger. There are news cameras watching our conversation. Which is exactly, don't you want that message to get out there? Kristen Robinson, Global News. A Vancouver councillor wants the city to follow West Vancouver in addressing discriminatory covenants in land titles. Sarah Kirby Young's motion asks Vancouver Council to endorse Marcus Wong's motion, which asks staff to explore the cancellation and striking of the covenants which bar people of African or Asian origin or descent from living on luxury properties. The West Vancouver councillors pushed to remove racist language from land title received unanimous support from council last month. Although the B.C. government amended the Land Title Act in 1978 to declare the restrictive covenants void, they were not removed from land title. Starting tomorrow, an inquiry begins into how money laundering became such a huge problem in this province. The Cullen Commission is set to look into how dirty money is funneled into B.C. through gaming, real estate and luxury car sales. But as Paul Johnson reports, some are wondering if the hearing will amount to anything ahead of another provincial government. Here's what we know. In the past decade, property in the Lower Mainland got very expensive. Video surveillance at local casinos turned into a highlight reel of suspicious behavior. And sales of things like luxury supercars stood out in a place where most incomes haven't budged in years. How did some of us get so flush? Money laundering, I think, has been a, a, a big problem for British Columbia and for Canada for some time. I mean, Canada has a reputation as a good destination uh, for, the white, for the criminals of the world to, to launder their funds. In Victoria, the NDP government has argued the problem was international money laundering on a scale possibly in the billions. They've had some evidence, along with a handful of exposés by journalists, including Global News. But was anybody in government responsible? That's what the long-awaited Cullen Commission will hope to establish when it gets underway Monday. He's going to be looking at real estate industry, gaming and horse racing. He's going to look at financial institutions. But with the commission's work likely to overlap with the next election season, some are speculating this may be more of a political exercise than anything else. Conveniently, those most likely to be under the microscope will be the B.C. Liberals who held power during the time in question. There's also the issue of whether most of the work to deal with money laundering needs to be done in Ottawa, not Victoria. The problems, I think, are less of knowing what to do and more of the political will to do it and the willingness to dedicate the money and the time and the resources to it. As is the case with so many well-intentioned government commissions, the question is whether the Cullen Commission will get results or end up being a debating event for people with lots of letters behind their names. Paul Johnson, Global News. Okay, Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now with more. Keith, what can we expect from this inquiry? 
Well, I think Paul laid it out pretty well, uh, showing the vast uh, areas this commission has to delve into. As he points out, it's not just casinos and, uh, and gaming that's uh, going to be looked into. It's a broad area. Six sectors, as a matter of fact. I'm going to show them to you. Some of them were mentioned in Paul's story. But first of all, they're going to be looking at gaming and horse racing, real estate and financial institutions. That includes banks and lending companies. And on top of that, you've also got what are called shell companies, uh, some suspicious transactions involving them, luxury goods and professional services, accounts and such. Uh, they don't have a lot of time to play with here, Colin. Uh, Austin Collins assembled a pretty good legal team, uh, but uh, those six sectors, they've got to have an interim report uh, made public in November of this year, final report next May. That's a lot of sectors to look at, to delve into, accumulate a lot of information. One of the challenges this commission may face is while it has subpoena powers, other commissions of inquiry have run into problems when witnesses uh, hire taxpayers, uh, paid for lawyers to lawyer up and prevent them from testifying. We'll see if Austin Cullen has greater success there than some of his predecessors in other commissions of inquiry across the country. But that's one of his chief challenges as well. As well, He's got a lot of work ahead of him, and the legal procedures were just beginning. Oh, my goodness. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. No early signs of spring in parts of B.C. today, including on the Coquihalla. A number of vehicles were spun out past the Great Bear Snowshed on Highway 5 earlier today during heavy snowfall. Traffic northbound on the Coke was severely impacted and motorists were advised to expect lengthy delays. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now. Yvonne, Grouse Mountain had to close early due to bad weather and now wind is an issue tonight? Yeah, wind warning is in effect for many areas across the island, especially the western and southern areas near Victoria. It is going to ramp up through this evening and overnight, so a heads up. Here's a look at some of the numbers that we've seen so far as this low moves across the island. We've had gusts out of the airport over 40 kilometers per hour, to Turner Island at 80 and out of the harbour for Victoria. We've seen a gust now up to 87 kilometres per hour. Here's what we're seeing, sustained and current gusts, but it is still can continue to be very windy for the evening hours. The wind warning along the western edge of the island with the potential of up to 100 kilometres per hour. Victoria southwesterly winds 60 and up to 90 and for Metro Vancouver anywhere between 50 and up to 70 kilometres per hour. Very windy overnight. It'll start to ease off. A bit of a break is on the way for Monday, but we still have a significant amount of snow if you're heading along the mountain passes those amounts coming up very shortly colleen thanks so much yvonne vancouver city council will decide this week whether to approve parking discounts for car sharing vehicles in the wake of company share now's departure from the north american market the loss of share now formerly car to go will remove 1500 car sharing vehicles from metro vancouver streets Last July, council gave the green light for one-way car-sharing vehicles to end trips in metered parking spaces. Well, city staff recommended giving car-sharing vehicles a 35% discount on metered parking within the posted limit. The discount would be in place until the end of the year. The Okanagan is about to get another destination hotspot. The historic Naramata Heritage Inn has been sold to new owners, including a top BC chef who's no stranger to Global BC. The new owners include Chef Ned Bell, his wife, marketing specialist Kate Colley, designer Maria Weisner, and retired A&W Canada CEO Paul Hollands. The Heritage Hotel was built in 1907 by John Moore Robinson, who is credited with starting the fruit industry in the region at the turn of the century. It's a problem many communities grapple with. What to do about rising bird populations, namely those often ornery and messy Canada geese? Vernon City Council is set to debate the options tomorrow night, and among the choices under consideration, a cull. Megan Turcato has more.
<laughs> Vernon's Kin Beach is a favorite hangout for geese, but some see the large numbers at local parks as a nuisance. It doesn't really bother me too much. They don't listen very good and they make a lot of poop everywhere. And poop factories is what they are, that's all they do. I think there's too many geese, too many droppings for people stepping in it. Um, I don't think they should do away with them though. Killing more than 100 birds is one option that's on the table as Vernon City Council explores how to control the geese. But many people oppose such a cull. We all have, uh, we all have hearts and I think we need to uh, listen to them a little bit more. And uh, to kill birds, uh, to, to sacrifice a little bit more of an enjoyable swim or for we don't have to step on as much feces is, uh, is not so much following your heart. A report from an environmental consulting company says the birds can be territorial at mating time and damage crops. And all that fecal matter can be bad for swimming conditions. Also, last year's population surveys suggest the number of geese is rising faster in the North Okanagan than in other areas of the valley. Somehow we have to, you know, balance the uh, idea of how we can keep the beaches clean and at the same time, you know, uh, allow Mother Nature to take its course. Earlier this month, City Council increased the budget for egg addling, but it's now looking at a range of other additional options to deal with the geese, from changing park landscaping to a cull. After considering the options, city staff are not recommending Vernon do anything more to control the birds, but the decision will ultimately be up to city council. Megan Turcato, Global News, Vernon. It was the ultimate high for the BC Lung Association today. Hundreds of all ages raced up all 48 stories to the top of the Sheraton Vancouver Wall Center for the 19th annual Climb the Wall, which raises funds for programs that support vital lung health. Among the participants, more than 300 firefighters from across the province climbing all 739 steps while wearing 35 kilograms of gear. We have to fight for every breath of air that we take in a fire situation so I think being able to step up for others that have to fight for it every day of their lives is a really important thing and it's part of what we do is create awareness and, and it's a good opportunity for us to test our skills and push ourselves as well. And they weren't the only firefighters running for a great cause. Delta firefighter Reed Taylor made a dash for cash today in full gear in the Run Rich Run Challenge. It's named after NFL Network host Rich Eisen, who runs the 40-yard dash every year as part of the NFL Draft Combine. This is the fourth straight year he's done it, this time raising more than $15,000 for BC Children's Hospital. If you combine all four years, it's just about... Uh, $36,000 for children in uh, their time of need. It speaks volumes to the type of people that we hire with Delta Fire, um, that we give back to the community the way they do. Vienna has cancelled all trains to and from Italy due to concerns over the COVID-19 virus in Italy. And Italian authorities have shut down Venice's famed carnival in a bid to stop the spread of the disease. The number of infected people in Italy has soared to at least 133, the largest number of cases outside of Asia. Three people in Italy have died of the disease since Friday. Carnival, which draws tens of thousands of visitors to the city, would have run through Tuesday. Some carnival goers weren't convinced that cancelling it was a good idea. 
in panic is more contagious than the virus and at this point it's a bit unnecessary than you think. Nearly all of Italy's cases are clustered in the north where cities are in lockdown. Authorities say they haven't pinpointed the source of the outbreak. South Korea's president has put the country on its highest alert for infectious diseases. He says an outbreak of the new coronavirus has reached a critical watershed and that the next few days will be very important time. The president made the comments at the start of a government meeting as authorities reported more coronavirus cases today, raising the total to 602 with six deaths. Bernie Sanders wins big in Nevada, and it has solidified his status as the Democratic frontrunner. Sanders celebrated a major win for Nevada's caucuses on Saturday, Joe Biden trailing behind in a distant second place. While Sanders' victory was encouraging for his supporters, it concerns others who fear his Democratic socialist policies are too extreme to defeat Trump. A man has been run over and killed by a parade float in New Orleans, the second deadly accident of this year's annual Mardi Gras celebration. Saturday night, tens of thousands of people were on the parade route through Mid-City on its way to downtown New Orleans. Officials believe the person killed was reaching for beads when he was hit by a tandem float and dragged beneath. The mayor announced that they are eliminating the use of tandem floats for Mardi Gras 2020. In Peru, intense downpours have resulted in at least three fatalities, with many streets washed out. Cars could be seen floating down flooded streets, while some struggled to get to safety after being trapped inside their vehicles. Peru is in the midst of its rainy season, which usually extends right through April. It's something easier said than done in our busy lives, but a good night's sleep could be a game changer when it comes to fending off the flu. Global's Lauren Pullen explains why. It is a problem many of us can relate to. Do you get enough sleep? Oh, heck no. (laughs) No one gets enough sleep. But according to medical professionals, proper sleep is a key factor to avoid catching the flu. Sleep in itself improves our resiliency and it allows us to have our best possible days. So what happens when you don't get enough? You are going to run your body down more and you are far more likely to unfortunately get the flu or get another illness. Even though the season is on the downswing, the latest flu numbers show a 41% increase in the number of lab-confirmed cases of the virus in Calgary. Alberta Health still says the flu shot is your best protection even this late in the game, but a good night's sleep could also be a game changer. When we don't get enough sleep, our cortisol levels actually go up the next day, and cortisol is our stress hormone. It's actually an immune suppressant. Cortisol has a number of negative impacts in the body, and we know from the most recent literature that about there's about a 40% increase the next day if we sleep deprive ourselves. When it comes to how much sleep you need, each person is different. Dr. Talker recommends eight hours for adults and a bit less for those over 50. And one of the biggest things is having a healthy sleep environment, like a cool, dark room free from phones and tablets. The phones act as a stimulant. Uh, The light stimulates our eyes, it stimulates some of our cognitive receptors to sort of wake us up. It's engaging you, it's perking you up. These are very unhealthy environments for sleep. So while catching enough Z's can be easier said than done in our busy lives, to avoid spending even more time in bed fighting the flu, you may want to factor in a good night's sleep. Lauren Pulling, Global News.
42-year-old David Ayers makes his NHL debut when the Carolina Hurricanes needed a goalie in a hurry. That story right after Yvonne's forecast. I love this it's story, so good. Yvonne. It's oh. the best story of the day. Yeah. Well, no yesterday, kidding. but still carry on today. <laughs> All right, a different weather story, though, that we're following. Uh, we are tracking some active weather this evening. The winds are going to ramp up. This low is tracking across the island, so it really is going to intensify tonight, overnight. And then good news for Monday, it leaves off, especially as we're heading out for a morning commute. Right now, we're sitting at 7 out of the airport. We've got dry conditions, a northwesterly wind, light right now at 7 kilometers per hour, but it is going to pick up. We're still seeing some rain towards the east. It is going to dry out tonight. We do have a mainly cloudy sky. A quick glance at a few of the numbers, especially along the western edge of the island. We've seen gusts of up to 80, Victoria 87, Saturna Island and Abbotsford into the Fraser Valley up to 50 kilometers per hour. Here's the moisture that we are looking at on the future cast. The snow continuing, especially along the mountain passes through the morning hours, and then easing off. It'll be a dry start across Metro Vancouver. Many areas in the interior will be starting off with cloud cover, a few isolated flurries, and then clearing towards the afternoon. The next weather maker is going to push in and we'll be tracking that for Tuesday. Wind warning is along the western edge of the island. Victoria included within that yellow for Metro Vancouver. It's a special weather statement. We're just a touch below wind warning criteria, but still very windy as we get into the evening and overnight. It's the western edge of the island. They could see the winds over 100 kilometers per hour. Metro Vancouver anywhere between 15 up to 70. Now overnight, it'll still be very windy. As you approach the morning, the winds will start to ease off. We're heading out for work or school and approaching the noon hour. It'll be much calmer and a partly cloudy sky. We've got a nice break in the action. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, a snowfall warning from the Coquihalla, Hope to Merritt. Kootenai Pass also included within that. The amounts that we're seeing this evening and continuing for the morning hours for the Coquihalla and Kootenai Pass, 15 and potentially up to 25 centimeters. Lesser amounts, but still snowfall this evening for the Connector, Rogers Pass, and the Coquihalla from Merritt to Kamloops, all included within that. The northeastern corner of the province, different weather picture, partly cloudy sky, very chilly for the morning hours, starting off at minus 12 and similar for Whitehorse with the windshield feeling closer to minus 25. North coast for tomorrow, break in between systems but the winds through the day, potentially up to 50 kilometers per hour, rain moving in with very windy conditions. It'll continue to be a stormy for both Tuesday and Wednesday. Caribou and central interior, a few isolated flurries for the morning, a clearing towards the afternoon. Similar for the Columbia and Kootenai and all areas for the southern interior, starting off with a few isolated flurries and then clearing out Tuesday, Wednesday, a great start as we get into next week. Whistler, partly cloudy tomorrow, a few flurries, light snowfall, changing over to rain on Tuesday and along the island. We're all areas for the south coast, very windy this evening, easing off as we approach the morning hours for Monday. By the afternoon, partly cloudy, get out and enjoy tomorrow, Colleen. That's the gem out of the forecast. Tuesday onwards, a little bit unsettled, but temperatures look to be comfortable over the next few days. Back to you. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Yvonne. It's the stuff dreams are made of, the Cinderella story that unfolded during last night's Leafs-Hurricanes game. An outside athlete called up at the last possible second to play with the pros and ends up helping them win the game. Brittany Rosen has the story we'll likely be talking about for years. The walk of a winner. 
David Ayers is still having trouble grasping the reality of last night's hockey game. The equipment guy came in and he said, put your gear on, you're going to go out there. Just moments later, 42-year-old Ayers, a Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies and an emergency backup goalie, was walking down the tunnel and stepping into the spotlight. I didn't expect the whole Carolina team to be standing there waiting for me to get on the ice. and I didn't, also didn't expect the fans in Toronto to kind of be cheering as I got on the ice. Uh, I said last night, I wasn't sure if they were cheering because I was going in and they're like, oh, this is an easy win for Toronto, or if they were cheering because I was wearing my Leafs gear. Although Ayers was off to a rough start, letting in the first two shots he was hit with, he shook off the nerves, pulled it together, and helped lead the Hurricanes to a brilliant 6-3 victory over the Leafs. You look around and you try and soak it in as much as you can. You're never going to remember it all, but uh, it was awesome for sure. Ayers is especially grateful for the rare chance, having gone through a kidney transplant at 27. If you can just go through something like that and then get to a level that you wanted to be at. You know, it's a lot of hard work, obviously, but there's a ton of people behind me that helped me get this far. Ayers' wife, Sarah, is still in shock. I didn't think it was going to be the scenario it was. I didn't even know the score for the longest time because I couldn't look up. I was, like, so zoned into what he was doing and how he was being. As is the rest of his family. It was just a usual Saturday, you know, not thinking that he's going to get called in, but... <laughs> It happened. Back home in Clarington, Ayers' kids Looking proudly around. showed off the very jersey their dad wore during the game. I just thought it was amazing. We did not believe it was actually happening on the yeah. TV when we were watching it last night. And they weren't the only ones in disbelief. When the name came up, we kind of actually Googled it a little bit and realized, oh my God, that's Dave from across the street. Ayers not only making his neighbors proud, but the entire city. You feel bad about it because the Leafs lost and it was uh, somebody who I gather was wearing a Maple Leaf t-shirt underneath his Hurricanes uh, jersey. But, uh, you know, you can't not like this story. Ayers is jetting off to Carolina to hang out with the Hurricanes, possibly doing many more interviews along the way. This as the 42-year-old tries his best to soak it all in. Brittany Rosen, Global News. Great for him, but story. he like knows a lot of the Leafs, of course, because he's their extra practice goalie. So the fact that he is kind of the source of their embarrassment, and if they lose, if they miss the playoffs by two points, you know, I'm sure he's a Leafs fan. It's got to be weird, but <laughs> it's anyway, very weird. It's a great story. Where to go no. to practice again, too, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, story. Yeah. the Leafs just <laughs> couldn't overcome. But we're going to look back at the Canucks who. Lost in the Zamboni guy had uh, one of their most impressive uh, wins of the year. I mean, they beat the Bruins 9-3 to last night, so got to look back at uh, that one one more time. It must start to feel like a bit of a marathon for hockey players at this point. Yeah, this is the, a lot of them, they say they hit the wall, but yeah. there's a lot of excitement about making the playoffs. You so bet. They try to get over with that, but uh, they look pretty, pretty good. Pretty great last night. Thanks, nice. Colleen. In the uh, long NHL schedule, teams always talk about moving on, getting ready for the next game. But you'll have to excuse the Canucks and their fans for uh, hanging on to the warm memories of bashing the Bruins last night 9-3. to Hanging nine goals on the NHL points leaders and the stingiest defensive team in the league is pretty impressive. At the end of the day, it's still worth the same two points as any other win. But with the pressure of a playoff race and a big road trip coming up, this is a confidence booster at the exact right time for the Canucks. Lots of Stetcher. It just kind of felt like one of those nights where you know, we were confident with the puck and we were making good plays and it didn't really matter if they countered. We were, we were confident in what we were doing and we trusted our system. So uh, It's a sign of you know, us kind of growing as a group and getting better every day. And the Canucks battling in there. Here's Miller right in front. Hold it! 
Uh, that was a great game by everybody, you know, all the way through the lineup. You know, I don't think we expected to be in 9-3, but um, you know, I thought uh, it was nice to finally start getting some bounces. I know Louis missed about four open nets in the past two games, or five open nets, whatever it was, and for him to get finally rewarded for it, it definitely feels good. I mean, then everybody else is second one scoring. Obviously, we won't be talking about that tomorrow, so it's nice. Well, actually, we will be talking about all that scoring because the last time the Canucks rang up nine goals in a game was way back in 1996. Seven different goal scores for the Canucks against the Bruins. Nucks once again showing that they're a resilient bunch. Vancouver a point up on Edmonton for second and two back of Vegas for first in the Pacific Division. They're the best team in the league. And... Uh, Saturday game, crowd was awesome. Big rivalry here. Um, it's, uh, I'm definitely new to. You know, they have some really good players. It's an exciting game to get up for. And I think it's a good test. Obviously, you know, against a team like that, you're not going to score nine ever. But uh, I mean, play, we played a really good game tonight. Uh, everybody was going. We worked hard. We wore them down. Um, they were at the end of the trip. You know, we just kind of wore them down, and you know, it feels really good here. We're going on the road, and I think it's a good way to go out. It's not always going to be games like this. I think. Our group knows that and understands that. I, I feel like they probably feel like just by playing the game the right way tonight, uh, they got a big win, and we're going to have a lot more games like this coming down the stretch. NHL tonight, Flames in Detroit against the last place Red Wings. Calgary now a point out of the wild card, four points behind the Canucks, but a good start. Johnny Gaudreau winds up, blasts one past Jonathan Bernier, number 16 for Johnny Hockey. It's one nothing. Just over a minute later, Sean Monahan. Pounces on the rebound, his 19th, 2-0 Flames. And then in the second, now 2-1, Noah Hannafin with the shot. Pinballs off Andrew Mangiapane and in 3-1 Flames after two. They win 4-2, so now they jump past Winnipeg into the wild card. Speaking of the Jets, they were in Buffalo, taking on the Sabres, first period. Buffalo opens the scoring. Kyle Oposo will jump on the loose puck. It's Connor Hellebuck, makes it one nothing, but the Jets tie it. It's a pretty play here. Blake Wheeler goes to the net. It'll redirect there, ties it up 1-1. Stays that way until the third, and it's Okposo one more time. He will jam it in, and it's a tough loss for the Jets as they fall to Buffalo 2-1. Winnipeg now out of a playoff spot. Penguins and Caps beginning the day tied for first in the Metropolitan Division. Second period, Sidney Crosby. Going to the net as he's going to the ice, knocks it through Braden Holtby. Great goal. Crosby's 459th career goal. He's 241 behind Ovechkin. But Sid has played 149 less with all those concussions. Third period, Carl Haglin gets the caps back in front, scoring from a scramble. It's 3-2, but the Pens tie it, and it is a spectacular solo effort by Evgeny Malkin, who dekes out John Carlson, who's a Norris Trophy favorite for top defenseman. And then the finish. What a goal by Malkin. Should get more than uh, just one goal for style points there. But less than two minutes later, Caps crashing the net again. And this time, T.J. Oshie pokes it in. Not pretty, but effective. Caps win 5-3. Now lead the uh, Pens by two points. And they just acquired Ilya Kovalchuk from the Habs for a third rounder. So more Russian power for the Caps. Montreal teenager Felix Auger-Aliassime has played some great tennis the past month or so. He lost in the final at Rotterdam last week, was back in the final again this week in Marseille, but 
Unfortunately for Felix, another loss, this time to Stefanos Tsitsipas of Greece. That means Felix is 0-5 in finals in his young career. At the same time, he's been in five finals before the age of 20. Not bad. Felix had won two of his three previous ATP matchups versus Tsitsipas. First set, Felix loads up the forehand, and he will hit the winner down the line. But Tsitsipas will answer. Beautiful cross-court forehand passing shot here, and Tsitsipas takes the first set, 6-3. Second set, Felix showing off that athleticism. Not many with better speed than Felix the Cat. Chases down the volley, finds the open court, but Tsitsipas would get a break in the middle of the set, and he's only 21, but this is his fifth ATP title as he takes out Felix Oje Aliasim in straight set. 6-3, 6-4, Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil teamed with Frenchman Nicolas Mahout to win the doubles. Welcome back. The Raptors are definitely a contender again in the NBA. They have the third best record in the league despite a rash of injuries, but they are hoping to get fully healthy in the next few weeks to really make that title defense at full strength. And if they can get Marcus Gasol and Norm Powell back soon, look out for the Raptors. They could do this again. Pascal Siakam coming off his first All-Star appearance in the top 15 in NBA scoring at 23.8 per game. Raps taking on the Indiana Pacers. Rookie Terrence Davis taking it strong, throwing it down. Raptors jumping all over Indiana, 19-3 in the first. Then it's Siakam, the old-school jump stop, and lays it in. Pascal led the Raps with 21 points in just 30 minutes of action. Uh, Raptors built on defense and team play. They share the ball so well. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson to OG Ananobi for the jam. And then late in the half, Freddie Van Vliet spots up, drills the three. Raptors can do it all. 63-32 at the half, literally double the points of the Pacers. Third quarter, Kyle Lowry keeping the pedal down, doing what he does, driving and laying it in. Lowry had 16, more from Siakam. Drive and banks it in. Raptors just dominating this one. The defense just stifling. Lowry with the steal, sends Montreal's Chris Boucher in alone. He rocks the rim. Boucher, nine points, four blocks on the day. And how about another three ball from the rookie, Terrence Davis. Raptors crush a very good team in the Pacers. 127-81, the 46-point differential, the largest in franchise history. The Raps' ninth straight home win. Final round of the WGC Mexico Championship from Mexico City. Bryson DeChambeau shot himself into the lead with this birdie at 14. His seventh birdie in a nine-hole span, and he took a two-shot lead. But... Patrick Reed reeled him in. His approach at 16 from the rough, plays it up on the slope, and then lets gravity take over. This one settled three feet from the cup, and Reed would end up knocking that in for birdie to take a one-shot lead. And then on 17 from about 18 feet, boy, Reed putted so well this week, rolls it in for birdie, and he's got a two-shot lead on DeChambeau with just one to play, so he's got a little bit of cushion there. Reading out 18, two-footer, has to make it for the win, knocks it in. Patrick Reed, the WGC Mexico winner by one over DeChambeau. Canadian Corey Connors well back in 50th at one over. Scotty's final for Moose Jaw. Kerry Anderson of Manitoba taking on Ontario's Rachel Holman, a three-time Scotty's champion. Anderson has a runner-up back in 2018 in Penticton, hoping to break through tonight, fourth end. Anderson with a draw attempt for two and just manages to dig in. Manitoba does get its deuce. They lead 4-1.
And then in the sixth, Anderson already has one guaranteed, looking for two. Needs a very precise shot just to nudge her own stone closer to the button, and she pulls it off. Great pressure shot, and right now Manitoba leads 7-5, playing the 10th. It's a wrap on the BC Winter Games in Fort St. John. Closing ceremonies held today at North Peace Arena. More than 1,200 athletes took part from across BC. Great competition and an experience none of these kids will forget. Next up, the BC Summer Games this July in Maple Ridge. Fort St. John has just risen to the occasion. Smaller community, 20,000 people. And you would just never know with the support that's been given by volunteers and local business. It's been just amazing. Here's a look at your snow report for tonight with lots of fresh snow for many of the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with 19 new centimeters in the past 24 hours. 16 for Grouse, Cypress 20 and Sasquatch 3. Manning Park with 9 new centimeters, Fernie 1 and Kicking Horse 5. Big White with 9 new centimeters, 5 for Silver Star and 8 for Sun Peaks. 12 new centimeters for Mount Washington, Whitewater 7, Red Mountain 5, 1 new centimeter for Powder King and a base of 365. Okay. Two boys from Vancouver Island may have the coolest grandmother in the country. As Kristen Robinson reports, when Grandma surprised them two years ago, they decided to surprise her back. <laughs> Eight months after this Jurassic Airport reunion, video of the dinosaur dance at YYJ has been shared around the world. Um, I never, never expected anything like this. The backstory on this family of dinosaurs began in Shawnigan Lake, BC, with two brothers who share a passion for the prehistoric. They were born a million years ago, and more than a million years ago, and they're really cool. You're just not Knowing my... their love for everything Jurassic, their grandmother decided to surprise them a couple of years ago. <laughs> Dressing up as T-Rex to pick up her grandsons at the airport. Yes, I was very scared. Yeah? What about you? Yeah. When Grandma headed west to visit them last summer, the boys decided to don their Halloween costumes and get her back. But Grandma had her game on, one-upping her grandsons again, pulling T-Rex out of her bag for a grand entrance. I asked the security guard, I said, is it okay if I put this on because I had it on my carry-on? And he said, no problem, and he helped me get into it. Luckily, we had... Two raptors and two raptors versus a T-Rex, I think the raptors would win. These velociraptors had no idea their video would go viral. From Australia, from Japan, uh, people just messaging me, telling me, thank you for making my day. And I'm shocked that it's gone this far, though. <laughs> it was just fun. Do you guys have other plans for Grandma? Maybe. <laughs> Kristen Robinson, Global News. <laughs> I love well that. Joie de vivre. <laughs> so great. She's cool. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, we should be aware of some weather issues tonight. 
Yes, so we are still tracking very windy conditions all areas across the south coast. A final look at our five-day forecast. The winds will ease off overnight, and then we'll have a bright day for tomorrow. A bit of a break between systems, but still a significant amount of snow if you're traveling on the Coquihalla as well as the Kootenai Pass. 15 and potentially up to 25 centimeters, so check in with Drive BC before you head on out. Ooh, all right, thanks for the warning. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11 o'clock. Good night.